You are listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin with The Good News. Hello, friend. It is Angie Austin with The Good News. It's funny. We're all taking selfies because uh, Barbara Brooks, one of the Good News gals, brought in her four-pound little puppy. Was it Riley <laughs> what? Riley B. Riley, Riley B. Oh, yes. So it's a slipper. Sold today. Oh, so I've funny. got Riley B. But Riley has a, she, the, the redeeming quality is she, she's got a, a CSU Rammy uh, Yes, Yes, that's right. Well, I didn't want to say does. anything because I went to the University of Colorado. And so right, I we can still be friends. Yeah, we can't still be friends. Except she's shaking in my lap. It must she, be the huskies. Like, oh, I don't know. They smell like big oh, no. dogs. <laughs> Are they safe? Body mass. She's so fat. It's funny how, uh, you know, animals bring such a, you know, I don't know, an uplifting feeling they to the do. room, you know. And Barbara works in an office where she can bring her dog every day. Donna's got, uh, Hetzler is here, one of the good news gals. She is an, uh, an author and uh, she is a real estate agent. And she is also uh, uh, a woman who created a nonprofit. Uh, it's a ministry. A Jericho Girls to encourage and uplift women. So great to have you here, Donna. Thank you. Good to see you. Barbara Brooks is back. And Barbara, yes. uh, Second Act BizCon went really well. And basically yes. for women, is it over 40 who want to you know go after their second act in life? Yes, and need encouragement, inspiration, empowerment, resources, tools, all of that. We are creating a new tribe of women to really take on the ageism that they're that there is today and really let women know that we're we're really ageless. Um, it doesn't matter you can really do whatever you want I love that second yeah. act because in TV news, the guys got the second act where they just got to keep their anchor job. But and their gray the hair. And yeah. their gray hair. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. and you got grandpa and then like, they're like, hi, my name's Susie. And I just graduated and I'm right and, here next uh, to and like, uh, <laughs> Right. And she's next to some old dude. Like when I was in LA, it was Hal Fishman. I think he died like yeah. at the anchor desk. I mean, oh my I'm not, God. But literally like they don't leave is my point, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm not Whereas the women are pushed yes. out. Yeah. Well, generally. Well, I mean, yeah. I probably should say that. Local yeah. ones, a lot yes. of them. Yes. Yes. Okay. Eric Raymer is here as well, and he's mm -hmm. in his second, third, fourth, and fifth act. Eric uh, <laughs> did a radio show right here at uh, my studio for about a decade, and uh, uh, here at Crawford. And he uh, now is doing PR, and he's training Lyft drivers, and he's got an illusion show coming up in June. So we'll we'll mention that at the end of the segment as well. Uh, producer Dave is here, and then also we have Gwen Richback. She's with TheRichSolution.com, and Gwen is going to talk about something in her book that really struck me because I'm reading it right now involving complaining and why we need to stop doing that. Gwen was diagnosed with incurable cancer in 2012 and she says she's never had more pa passion or purpose in her life. So I wanted to say hello to Gwen before we get to the good news. Hey Gwen. Hello there. Thank you for having me. I've been following you on uh, social media, and you know, I know you do a lot of uh, videos on health, and then you've got lots of health-oriented things on your website on therichsolution.com, and you mentor people uh, battling cancer or trying to improve their health. So I've been juicing a lot, and I feel that you've had a real influence on me already. So we'll get to more of your story in a minute, but we wanted to share something that we thought might inspire you as well, because it goes along with your stop complaining theme about life. So, Dave, tell her a little bit about it before we start. So this is a really cool clip. It's about three little girls who all were diagnosed with cancer. But they joined. That's not the cool part. They uh, they met each other in the hospital, and they are helping each other battle through it. And they developed this friendship that is now unbreakable. 
Lauren Glynn is only five years old, but she's already made three best friends for life. But this friendship didn't start on the playground. It happened while Lauren was battling leukemia at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital, where she quickly bonded with other young patients, Chloe, Ava, and McKinley. Our blood was sick. Their mothers formed a sisterhood, too. Together, they faced the unimaginable. I was really, really brave. In 2016, the girls posed to bring awareness to pediatric cancer. A few months ago, they recreated that moment to mark a major milestone. All of the girls were in remission. Then, unfortunately, a few weeks ago, Lauren relapsed. I was always afraid um, of this, and my worst nightmare came true. But just like before, Lauren is not facing this battle alone. I love you, Lauren. I really want you to do better. I don't care. Ava, McKinley, and Chloe are right by her side. And Lauren's mom, Shauna, is finding strength in her friends. Shauna, we love you. Your fight is our fight. Keep fighting. Stay positive. You got this. You know we're always here. We love you. These families sharing the hope that their girls will grow up with cancer, a distant memory, and a friendship that lasts forever. Never, never give up! Mm. Oh, I love those little voices. And what a great oh, message wow. at the end. Yes. Yeah. I love the message because it's so positive. It is. And it's, it's beautiful and inspiring. And uh, just to think what they have all been through and now supporting the one. Who, oh, I don't know. That's going to make me. Yeah, well, I have I'm to like fear. fight the urge to leave this yeah. segment because, um, complaining has been a reoccurring theme so I think God is really speaking to me but yesterday uh, Beatrice and I were speaking together at a women's retreat and Beatrice is our friend of the show who lost her husband of yes. 27 years yes. and she's re she preached at his funeral she did she preached at his funeral oh, yes. and said right. you know you, you don't know when the, your time is up you know and she just don't. it was she was powerful so go ahead so yesterday morning before I left I was doing my morning devotionals and um, I was directed to Numbers 21 about the Israelites complaining and God sent snakes to bite them for, you know, complaining. And I'm like, okay, where am I complaining in my life? Then I speak and I'm listening to Beatrice after I'm finished. And she says, boo, it's not about you. If you're complaining all the time, shut up. Just <laughs> shut up. So I'm sitting there going, okay, I hear you. I'm going to shut up. Okay, Lord. And now we've got Gwen on the show and she's all about, you know, no complaining and, you know. Well, it's yes. so it's so funny because I had picked this just a moment ago because I'm reading yeah. her book and Gwen Rich's book with Adam Rich, her husband, uh, Live a Legacy on the Go by Implementing the 5% Solution, Stop Complaining, Make Your Own Luck. And uh, so regarding that stop complaining, it, I'm going to go through and uh, Gwen, let's uh, welcome back, Gwen. Uh, let's start with chapter three because that chapter really hit me last night because I've been lecturing my mother and I feel like I'm talking to a brick wall about um, you know how the kids perceive her as a pessimist and me as an optimist and that the complaining isn't leaving a good legacy for her grandkids because they see her as so negative and so um, I was reading the stop complaining chapter so w why as a cancer survivor uh, with the diagnosis in 2012 you're seven years in with this incurable cancer why is this so important in your book teaching people to be healthy yeah, it, it's huge. Um, and so if we just are speaking about 
survival rates for cancer patients. They now, most doctors will actually sit with their patients in the first visit and tell them how important their attitude, their mental attitude is and positive, and that if they can be positive, they can get as much as a 27% increase in survival rate. Wow. So I believe it. Huge. And how we break it down for, you know, the average person, all of us in our daily lives. So negativity is something that happens to attract negativity. Yeah. And our brain, it's like a magnet. So if you are thinking, speaking, acting negatively, you only attract more and you can't get out of it. When you vent to other people, you think you're feeling better, but actually what you're doing, it's just turning more and more inside of you. And actually those around you who have to hear it, it doesn't make them feel any better. And then if you have a longtime friend who constantly complains, you generally try to spend less time with them because it's not enjoyable to be around them. Gwen, this, the good this, news. This, this is okay. I got a question for Go you. Ahead. Uh, Go ahead. What, what do you say to the person who says, Look, I'm not negative. I'm just a realist. Oh, gosh. <laughs> or I'm just stating that. the facts. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not or you say you're a pessimist and yeah. they say I'm a realist. Yeah. What, what yeah. do you say to that? Well, I, I've never actually had someone ask me that, but I would say, you know, a lot of times, you know, we all have different perspectives. We think of things differently, but sometimes because of the challenges that we have in our daily lives, we need to reframe our thoughts. Amen. So it's not yes. about being right or wrong. Yeah. But certainly the way that we look at things and the way we process it can change our outlook and can change our um, outcomes and affect the people that are around us and the, how they react to us. You know, you were so saying, I think babe, it's, I as you were going talk- back to it's not a right or wrong. As you were going through the complaining and how it keeps you, you know, that negativity feeds negativity, you said the good news is what? Well, the good news is that so if you have a loved one or even parents, if you have a child, and if you have more than one child, of course, you see the differences. And if you have a negative Nelly, something like that, the good news is if they want to, you know, free will, they can work on it and can change this negativity into positivity. The first thing is recognizing it. So I'm sorry, I, because of the connection, I didn't get the name of who's on here, or who you think that maybe you're a little negative um, you've already recognized it, which is huge. That's Donna. Okay? Yeah, yeah Donna. that's me. And I'm positive Polly, right? But just recently, God's been speaking to my heart about complaining. And I'm like, well, I'm positive Polly. What are you talking about? So um, right. it's come up over and over. So, so number one is recognize it. Okay. Right. The first is recognizing it. And then the second thing would be, okay, stopping it. So you start the pattern, whether it's inside your head and nobody's hearing you or you're spouting it out loud, you stop it. The second thing is whether you write it down or make a conscious effort to see if there's a theme. Is it some, With a lot of people, it could be that they're complaining about something at work. It could be a certain person they're complaining about. It could be their life in general or maybe their choices. So depending how deep it goes. But finding out what that theme is, because then once you see what that theme is, you can start working on that. And and what I mean by that very simplistically, let's say it's that you're complaining about someone at work. Well, maybe you realize, okay, I can't quit my job because that's really important, but maybe I can move laterally. I could change departments. I could go on a different floor, so I'm not dealing with that person or person. Or maybe I need a new boss. 
Or maybe if the situation is so bad, you do need to take that big step and get a new job because it affects your life and your health. You will not have optimal health if you're constantly in this negative negativity or complaining. Wow. So the complaining, uh, you know, at the top of the chapter, uh, we're talking to Gwen Rich, um, uh, negative mindset, uh, complaining leads to poor health. Complaining yep. makes you less observant. Would that, and that makes sense to me because if you're stuck in a rut and you, I also think uh, complaining is uh, comes sometimes from a victim mentality that yeah, nothing absolutely. ever works out for you. Everybody's against me. I never get the breaks. I never had the chances. And uh, right. that is that is really an old record. And we had gotten into this conversation over the weekend because my daughter I had a basketball game, and we have to watch my mom because she'll just get into it with anybody. You know, they were rude, they got in my way, blah blah blah. So my daughter said, "Grandma, you embarrassed me." And then my husband said, "You know what? We can't bring your mom if she's going to be looking constantly for things to complain about some person that got in her way or walked in front of her." Because I said, "Mom, these things happen every." Every day, there are rude people. I said, to be honest with you, there are people that probably didn't even see you, like right. with right. your cane trying to get up the stairs. They weren't trying to be rude. You just say, hey, Grandma with the cane, I need to use the handrail. Can I get by you? And they would have said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was blocking you. But no, she's just going to tell them off and embarrass her, daughter, her granddaughter. So with that said, I, I, I just couldn't figure out like when this started with her because she was kind of a pleasant mom and she's been a very unpleasant grandmother very unpleasant oh, wow. and so she's around my kids all the time very negative always complaining yelling very angry and so I tried to get her to recognize it we had a pretty in-depth discussion over the weekend but I don't know is there a point where you just kind of have to accept like this is the way this person is and I don't think that I'm going to change him and we have to just figure out how since we take care of her uh, my, my, my husband and I just want to keep her in the basement more often you know we want to keep her <laughs> Yeah, she does have a really nice suite down there with her own kitchen and everything. So it's not like it's not like I'd say if I yeah. lock my my mom yeah. in the, in the yeah. basement. Yeah, right. We don't, we're not like she's not like sequestered down there, you know, with like you know a locked door or anything. Is she complaining but. about her suite in the basement? <laughs> no, not that too much. But if the kids okay. come in and you know, all, I mean I'm anything. Cu- I'm curious too because I have a I have a friend like that. One of my best friends um, always is the pessimist, and oh, I'm feeling my my mom is ill and. And uh, I'm going to be like that one day or I'm, you know, she's, she's, can't it's look like on the bright every, side. she can never look on the bright side. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. There are people like that. So recognizing yeah. it, they have to recognize it, not you. Like I'm the daughter. I recognize it, but she has to recognize it. Is that what, what you're talking about with the negative mindset? Yes, absolutely. And if it's as much as, you know, if you're a lifelong friend, you can simply sit down and have a chat with them. And of course, if they're not open to it at all, well then, you know, that's up to you. Most people, by the time we usually get to be about 45 or so, we kind of just start, you know, seeing these people less and less because, yeah. I mean, the, the fatter, math, the fatter is, math, fact, I can talk, is that we're all just so busy. We have so much going on that we want people to add things to our life instead of yes. the negativity and detracting from it. So, yes. you know, Great. we usually remove these people from our lives, you know, I would say around 45, 50, some takes longer, but. If she's open to it, you know, then it's, you know, she she can get books or whatever, but it's really, she's going to have to work on it, but she can. That's the beauty of it. She, there is there is hope. When you talk about awesome. creating your own luck in the book, again, we're talking to Gwen Rich, and you said when you were knocked over by your diagnosis, and again, it's incurable cancer, and that was back in 2012. So as you've mentioned before, uh, that you've lived past your expiration date and that you created your own luck 
and you talk about how complaining keeps you from being an observant person. So how have you used, uh, you know, this tactic of not complaining to increase your health and live past your expiration date? Right. I mean, that's a great point. Um, I don't think people think about that. You know, if they stop complaining, you'll see that there are so many opportunities out there. We have to be observant. I have a number of examples, but I can even just speak to the fact that um, I took the time to develop my communities in the different areas of my life that I have interests. And so it served me well, and one of them is faith. Um, I, I definitely have a lot of faith. And so after I got my diagnosis, instead of being bitter, instead of being angry and mad and, you know, why me and being in the victim mode, instead I looked at it as a blessing um, because of my experiences, because of what I had done is, is taken my knowledge, the opportunity, and taken actions and built my communities and one in the faith base. I could then have a totally different perspective on that this is what was supposed to happen to me in life and be accepting to it and be a better person. Because we certainly know there are pl- plenty of people, and I'm not criticizing, who've gotten the cancer diagnosis, and they are very angry and very bitter. Um, but that is not going to help you on your journey. And that's that. regardless if you have a cancer diagnosis or not, that negativity is not going to help you. So creating my own luck was taking the work that I've done, taking the knowledge and the opportunities, like I said, with the faith-based, and then I had a different perspective. Um, I can also tell you that once I got diagnosed, where being the advocate for myself, taking the knowledge, letting my doctor know, hey, this is my expectations that, you know, when my cancer builds up and that's in my bones, I want to have a biopsy, okay, because I don't have it in the tissues like other people. And I let her know this because it is a way that we could see if maybe I have a genetic mutation. So certainly my doctor took this, and once we had enough, this was two and a half years ago, um, I was very fortunate because a lot of times if you go and you get a biopsy with um, breast cancer, it usually doesn't come back as a mutation. We did three bone biopsies, so that means I had cancer that had gotten large enough in three areas of my body. The first one that they took, they found a genetic mutation. And I say that this is the luck that I created because I have been knowledgeable about my treatment. I've been proactive. I had that discussion with my doctor. I took those opportunities, and there's more to it because they had to take me, um, you know, under, this was under, um, I had went under general anesthesia, so I had no knowledge of this, but they had to, you know, check to see how my bones were doing before I had this biopsy. Well, they found out that the cancer in my femoral head was so bad. So when I came out from the general anesthesia, they said, you know what, tomorrow you're going in for surgery because your femur is so bad that if you actually break that bone, you will be in a wheelchair the rest of your life. Okay, I'm not kidding. So because of the work of what I did, I created my own walk so that I didn't have to worry then if I break my bone, I have that titanium rod in my left leg now. You know, so it's fascinating. That's how I created my own. I was, that's a very short, short the, description there. There's a lot of information in the book too about you know when you were a teacher talking to kids about creating their own luck by preparing and being ready when the time comes. Uh, right. So Gwen, if people want to get your book, if they want to reach out to you, uh, Gwen mentors people. She's got tons of health supplements on therichsolution.com. Uh, you can also put in the code Mike M I K E. That's my co-host on another show, Mike M I K E. 
uh, to get a discount and free shipping. And I just really appreciate you, Gwen. I've learned a lot from you already, and um, I'm, I'm hoping I'm getting healthier along with you. Yes, well, thank you so much, and enjoy reading the book. I appreciate your uh, support for my cause and me. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, thank Gwen. you for all the people yeah. you inspire, Gwen. Thanks, everybody. All yep. right, we'll be right back with the good news. Good news of Jesus for you in High Definition Radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hello, my name is Donna. I worked for the ARC for six years and I loved every second. And I love working for the ARC. My favorite thing working for the ARC is I love everything about it. I love my managers and my co-workers and it's just a pleasant place and it's a place where you feel safe and loved and they treat you like a family the best deal i found at the ark is i found a brand new litter box for my cat <laughs> call 303-238-JANE 303-238-JANE or visit arkthrift.org please do your shopping at the Ark because you're shopping with the purpose. Angie and Mike here. You know, Mike likes to give something. It's called feedback. Other times I call it something that starts with a C, but regardless, he's usually pretty good at it, actually. And we're going to talk about the art of giving and receiving feedback, Mike, today with Dr. Cheryl Lentz. Are you up for this? Of course I am. I love feedback. It's the only way we get better. It's true. It's true. Hi, Dr. Cheryl Lentz. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Angie. Yes, as you know, we like to talk about things that are rather timely and something that's been in the wind. Maybe it's spring break. Maybe it's close to graduation. Maybe it's the end of the semester. But a lot of my students and employees and, and clients, they're all struggling with a don't shoot the messenger when we offer feedback the way you offered it is fabulous but many people hear criticism they hear we suck and we are attacking them and all kinds of interesting things that people take personal so i have got a fabulous tip that i use with my students and the thing is is to separate yourself the writer the person the worker the insert category here from you the person when we can look at what exactly what Mike said is feedback is just the opportunity to be a little bit better today than we were yesterday. It's that simple. But when our ego gets in the way and when our emotions get in the way and we feel personally attacked, then we go on the defensive. And then no matter what anyone tells us, we are going to absolutely shut down and shut off. So I do two things. I ask people to separate themselves and then I ask permission. And that permission is going, you know what, Angie, can I give you some feedback? Would you be open to it? If I can get you to buy in, then you're far more acceptable and receptive as opposed to defensive. So what do you think about that, Mike? Well, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to go in with that whole permission thing. And Mike I, doesn't I, do that. Mike doesn't do that. <laughs> Beg forgiveness, right? But he has really good feedback. I think I'm being criticized here. <laughs> no, but well, I, I actually appreciate the honesty of somebody because Michael do it knowing sometimes it might irritate me, but he's right. You do get better or it makes the show better. So I actually do appreciate people that have the courage to give it because it takes some guts or you know whaties to do it. Mike. But it also depends on how you do it, though. You don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to be defensive yourself. You can offer it as a gift instead of criticism, and then the perspective is a little bit different. 
Look, I've been involved in a couple of interventions in my life. <laughs> I, am I on the receiving end of a criticism <laughs> intervention today? Is that what's going on? Okay, this no is hilarious. No. Here, Mike. no veiled attempts at all. Trust me, you're smarter than both of us. So, no, the, the interesting thing here is that if you have an idea on how to make something better, the best way, I believe, to actualize, actually, act, to make that happen, is to try and figure out how does that person that you want to share that information with best receive direction? Because sometimes it's a sledgehammer right between the eyes, and sometimes it's a pie with a little surprise inside that is your direction. And if you have time to figure out what presentation is going to work best, then you can do it. And there are some times where it's like, there is a lion running at us. We don't have time to make a pie. Shoot the damn lion. <laughs> <laughs> a pie. That's hilarious. I love pie. Oh, and I don't love lions when they're running at me. But um, that is such a perfect way to put it. And, you know, I've gotten so used to Mike that I, I'm not offended when he gives me criticism. I'm sorry, the, uh, feedback, whatever we want to call it. But with my husband, <clears throat> I get super nervous and almost sweaty when he's watching one of my kids' games because I like for a child to receive feedback. I call, With Mark, I, my husband, I think it's criticism. But he's watching a game, and he's a great basketball player. The kids are all into it. And then he's found, you know, three things they've done wrong. And I'm like, before you do the three things that have gone wrong or that, you know, they already are almost in tears about at the game and they know they made a mistake, would you mind giving some kudos first? Like with a kid, I think you need more than just the permission. Do you mind if I give you some feedback? I almost feel like for every criticism you need like an attaboy some kind of a kudos so they're not completely demoralized and on a heap in the backseat of the car for the whole ride home well and there's something per you know for that you know the, the professional version is the sandwich technique but i have found that when you sandwich it meaning you do the good thing then the bad thing the good thing they only remember the good parts of it so i really think it has to be a way you do it as opposed to hey you know you really were really good out there, but there are some things that we might be able to do better. Do you think we can talk about them instead of saying, man, you suck. You got to do this better. You're not going to do this. You know, I mean, it's all a matter, in my opinion, of technique. And I don't think we t give technique. I know we don't teach technique, but we have to teach how to receive the feedback as well as how to give it. I've had to prepare my students going, all right, this is going to be a little tough for you. I want to help manage your ego. I want to help Sarah. So I, I set them up for success by warning them what's coming so that they're ready. And then they said, okay, I know this is part of the process. I'm going to give it to you with love and kindness. Don't think that I'm being mean and, and hurtful just because I can. And I'm, I'm the giver of the feedback, but it's all about what do you want the goal to be? And I've only had one person ever shut me down and say, no, I'm not ready for this today. Wow. It's not the right frame of mind. And I think you both have to have that technique because giving is not as easy, is, is not any less difficult than receiving it. It's easy for my husband to give the criticism. I mean, he, it just rolls off his tongue. And I just feel that <clears throat> with kids, the sandwich ways you put it might be a little bit better. I don't know. But I think to Mike's credit is really is I think you have to find works with that person. So, Mike, we, we applaud what you're saying because you're right. Sometimes time is of the essence and you have to tell them now or the lion's going to eat you. But other times you might be able to soft serve it or you might have it so that they hear you. Because if your receiver doesn't hear you, giving the feedback is useless yeah oh yeah 100 percent. and there are times that um and and i've tried to do this um 
It's not always easy. There are times that you have to check yourself before you give someone an idea or a correction because your own attitude might be wrong that day. And you could waste that opportunity or that, that advice based on what your own condition is that day. So um, it's hard to be mindful of that, but you have to try and do it if you're going to be successful and at least efficient on, on a regular basis. Well, I think the outcome is also what's the whole point of doing this? I mean, is it to make you feel better, to make you feel worse, to make them feel better, to make them feel worse? I look at the end result going, well, if you want to graduate, then we're going to have to improve these things in order to pass the next stage of review. So mm -hmm. it's a matter of, you know, I have a friend of mine, sometimes it's tough love, Mike, it's suck it up, buttercup, you know, you've got to look at it. here's the end goal, and it's not going to get any easier, whether I give it to you nicely, or I give it to you with a two by four between the eyes, the end result is it's got to get her done. Well, but other times that opportunity could be maybe done differently. Well, and your outcome is very tangible. You've got students, um, you know, with Mike and I generally, it's like a commercial break, or I mean, he and I never have like an hour to chat. We have like four minutes to chat, you know, three and a half minutes to chat. And not only we're deciding on content, but maybe on making something better, et cetera. So with us, it is the lion is coming. There's no time to make the pie. Um, but I you already, already have that relationship in place so that Mike's not going to get terribly offended when you give him that three second right between the eyes, because you know, that's how he prefers it. And that's all the time you have. And he understands that he's not going to not talk to you for 10 years because of it. Yeah. And there's the history where it's like, you know, exactly. we, we're friends we can count on each other like he's always there when I need him and our team like we never let each other down so we kind of know we're going to be there at the end of the criticism but I think we're focusing on how to give the criticism and not as much on the taking it and I think that's so important because I see in meetings etc that people really aren't very good at taking feedback and that they do see it as criticism and they almost automatically get um, you know uh, defensive don't you see this Mike in the workplace because you've been in lots of um, establishments with lots of millennials for that matter. <laughs> I often find the more experienced worker has a higher tolerance for feedback and or criticism. Yeah. And I well, Mike, do you think because they just haven't been taught how? Yeah, because they've been coddled, because they've been told that everything is perfect. They get a trophy for everything they do. This is a, uh, uh, I guess, a uh, side, not benefit, but detriment of the trophy generation. Well, that's why I'm learning a little bit more that I have to preface my students and teach them how, because I have a few of them have gone off the rails and I just have to back them up. It's like, hey, you have a choice. I don't have to give you any of this feedback, but then you complain you're not making the progress. I can soft serve it to you. I will give you what you're not expecting, but I have to teach you how to graciously and eloquently or our relationship isn't going to work because what you want me to do isn't going to happen for you. That's tough because no one's ever taught them how to receive feedback. They've just expected them to. And then they go off the rails and off to the races we go, so to speak, you know. Well, I think that's I think why it's so important, as you mentioned, to do that little um, little aside. Um, I have some feedback. How do you word it? What do you say? How honest do you want me to be sometimes is what I'll ask. And that kind of prepares them. And most of the time the reaction is, oh, this isn't going to be good news. I'm going, well, I wouldn't call it not good news or bad news. I just don't think it's what you're expecting. And that helps them kind of take a deep breath of air and prepare themselves for what they weren't expecting. Because if they're receptive, I have one student, Susie Sunshine, it doesn't matter what you tell her, she is the most amazing student to work with. And I've had employees like that. And I've had others, my gosh, you tell them that, you know, they've got spinach in their teeth, and they will just go off the rails. So it's, 
it's really a preparing them to get them in that right frame of mind so that you can move that conversation and be productive. But not everybody receives it. And if you don't teach them how, I think, as Mike says, you've lost that opportunity and it could be gone forever or you really upset them to the point that they won't talk to you for months. Joining me, Dr. Cheryl Lentz, the academic entrepreneur. And Cheryl, we often talk about developing a brand and really that applies to us too in our work. And, you know, when I put things on Facebook, it always goes with my brand. And that is that I'm a mom and a news person, so I like to put positive things out there and develop my brand as a positive news person mom who's also a Christian. So those are kind of like my themes. But how on earth do you develop a brand? Well, this is very interesting because many people believe brand is the logo. Brand is what you see. And that isn't. It is. It's exactly what you say it is, is what do people say about you as the brand? And so I go to a lot of these conferences. I just got back from four and five and a half weeks and I like to go to business conferences. And I met somebody who is absolutely amazing. Uh, His name is Brian Smith. He's the founder of Ugg Boots, the billion dollar brand. And so who would know more about international brand? than this particular gentleman. And as a side, I'm so excited. He's agreed to write the forward for our next book that's coming up in August. So I am like over the moon because we're writing a book on health. So yes, I mean, it's kind of nice hanging with billionaires, but here's what got my attention. And we've talked about this many times in this program is to think about what is the difference between that entrepreneur mindset, that business understanding, then others who typically work for someone else. And this book really got me thinking because Brian is wonderful to be able to tell you the good, the bad, the ugly, and the really ugly, and all of the things that he had to do to get to where he is. And what got my attention is when he was looking about building his brand, it was all about two major things that he, even though he eventually, I would say about year eight, nine, 10, he started making millions of dollars. But the problem is he didn't get to keep it. And I always thought going, how is it that companies who are making millions of dollars can suddenly decide that they don't want the founder there? We we talked about this on your show, right? About Steve Forbes, Steve Jobs and the fact that his own company kicked him out and then hired him back. And this happened with Brian as well. And so his first piece of advice, he goes, you need to maintain control of your brand at all times. He goes, I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how bad it gets. You gotta have that 51% because just like you said in your opening statement, you need to control your values. You're a Christian mom. You're a, a, a mom who's raising kids and working. You have your brand for the radio show with you and Mike. It's really important that you're in control of that. And unfortunately in the business, in the business world when we're looking for financing and capital and all those types of things we tend to compromise a little bit because we think the goal is to get the money out there and to get the brand out there and the challenge was as brian's like you know what no matter what it is you can't have your own company decide through shenanigans and backyard deals and all kinds of stuff that it's not going to stay with you. And that to me was the biggest aha moment. Cause again, I used to think people are successful, the Steve jobs and the Bryans, these are million and billion dollar brands. They're robbing Peter to pay Paul and they make millions of revenues, but they don't keep it. And that was my biggest aha moment going, wow, it just passes through their fingers until they understood about control and margin. And I thought for those who are entrepreneurs, for those who are building their brand, the idea of control, the idea of making sure that you're going to retain your company, you founded it. And yet how many companies have we heard about that have been founded and the founders are kicked to the wind and that always really brought it home to me going, how is that even possible? 
That is so wild. All right, let's talk about that birth of a brand. You mentioned uh, that this uh, this author so impressed by him. Uh, you know, when you met him at this uh, business conference that you go to so many of. I love those as well. And the UGG brand being one that is so well known. Uh, my daughter's got UGG boots. They're expensive. And uh, we bought them, actually, um, I lucked out and got them at a thrift store because they're like, many of them are over 200 bucks. Right. It seems like, wow, how are you getting um, people to pay pay 200 bucks for a pair of boots that are those, you know, fuzzy boots that are like um, suede and then they've got a little bit of lamb's wool that comes out of the top and a lot of people wear them just as even shoes in the summer, even though they are a winter boot. So with that said, I'd be interested to know some of the tricks to developing that brand because UGG is known as quality and comfort and it's kind of a brand, um, like a kind of a brand name that's known as high end per se for that type of boot. Correct. Well, the name of the book is called The Birth of a Brand, An Unlikely Startup Story of the Billion Dollar Brand. And this is of UGG Boots. And what got my attention is many of us think that you start out with all of these orders. They start out with the organic boots on the ground, grassroots. His idea of going through starting this was going to the surfer. And you wouldn't consider the surfer deal with boots. Like you just said, these are intentionally winter boots brought from Australia, and yet they crossed through other markets. But the way Brian built his brand was boots in the ground and shaking hands and going to the people. And, and he even said, he goes, even when things get bad, the loyalty of the people, because they knew him by shaking his hand, they knew him by loyalty. They knew him about selling books from the back of the truck on the beach and the beacher, you know, the, the folks before they were famous, right? He never forgot where he came from, even when he entered into the high end market, which is eventually, like you said, that's where um, Ugg Boots is, it's a premier brand, but that wasn't where it started. And there were some interesting interesting ways. That's why I adored the book is that a lot of people tend to gloss over the the ugly. They like to keep on the good part of going. But Brian went into every horrible thing that happened. The people who tried to take the company away from him, the people who tried to compromise his copyright and the brand. And and part of the, the story is the persistence and the no matter what happens is always being true to you and your values. Like what you have said on this program for, for years that I've worked with you is always being that authentic leader. And he always remembered, even when he got a little bit too big for his britches, so to speak, and he went beyond where he went. He always went back to the people who helped him start in there and was the shaking of hands, looking at somebody in the eye and treating people the way they should be treated, even though business doesn't always work that way. Isn't that amazing? Business fundamentals. It's just different zeros that are different, but the fundamentals are still the fundamentals, Angie. Right? Yeah, no kidding. And, and how nice to learn from the experts or people who've already made their mistakes per se. All right, Cheryl, your website? DrCherylLens.com. Thank you, Cheryl. You betcha. Hey, Angie Austin here with the good news. And the good news is I have one of the ARC ambassadors here with me, Christopher Petty. Hi, my name is uh, Chris. I have worked at the ARC for four or five years. Shopping with the purpose means giving back and it really helps people like me. I like working at ARC because it's the people and it's the employees and you can, you don't have to try to impress anyone. Just be yourself and just come in and just do your best and just be yourself. And I love him. I do too. <laughs> Keep going. And uh, I just 
I do my best. You know, I go in there and I give it my best and I have a good time. And you're proud of the work you do? I'm proud of the work I do. Give it back. The heart of ARC is so wonderful. It's important to shop at ARC because you know, it is shopping with a purpose. I say that a lot. And when you donate things, it goes back to help our community and people just like Chris, who has a wonderful job with ARC as an ambassador. 303-238-JANE, 303-238-JANE or arcthrift.org, arcthrift.org. Hey, I'm Chris. I love working at ARC. YMCA of the Rockies and Estes Park is an ideal family vacation. Come visit and be inspired by our surroundings. At YMCA of the Rockies, you can fill your days and nights with our fun, family-friendly programs and activities. This summer, YMCA has tons of fun and excitement planned for your family, and soon you can bring the entire family when we introduce our new dog park and dog-friendly activities. Whether you are looking for a harrowing adventure or just a relaxing stroll near Rocky Mountain National Park, YMCA can set you on your way. YMCA of the Rockies is the ideal family vacation located in a stunning environment that helps build healthy minds, bodies, and spirits for all. At the YMCA of the Rockies, we love to provide real bonding experiences for families of all sizes. Go to ymcarockies.org. Fill your next family vacation with fun, exciting, and affordable adventures at YMCA of the Rockies. Go to ymcarockies.org to book your stay today. Hi, it's Angie. Thanks so much for listening to The Good News. If you like The Good News program and you'd like to support us, we need to partner up with businesses to keep this show going. I'd really like to keep it on the air and I need advertisers in order to do that. And I'd love to partner with you and help you build your business or your website. Maybe you're a nonprofit and you'd like to do an interview and you'd like to donate to us so that we can help you get donations as well. AngieAustinRadio.com AngieAustinRadio.com Just click on Contact Me. I would would love to partner up with you. I think this is a great program. We've been on the air for about seven years now, and I think a lot of people have gotten a ray of sunshine and some faith and even a little fun from this program. So if you'd like to support us, please go to AngieAustinRadio.com. We would like to help you build your business or nonprofit as well. AngieAustinRadio.com and click on contact. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you build your business. Angie, thanks for having me on. You know, I've noticed a lot of my f- small business friends have actually started selling things on Amazon, so maybe we'll get into right. that, but I'd rather start with the significance of the report, if that's okay with you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to do it. You know, I, I cover a lot of this uh, and write about Amazon um, and, and, and talk to a lot of my own clients and readers about the impact that Amazon has on small business. And you're right, in your introduction, there's this, there's this thing out there that people say, like, oh, you know, Amazon and other e-commerce providers like that are, you know, they're hurting or they're killing small business. And, you know, it's, it's actually, you know, the opposite, Angie. It's, it's like it just things have changed over the years, over the decades. I mean, I, um, I don't know if you ever watched a show on uh, – it's actually on Amazon Prime called um, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, um, which is – it's a great show. And it's about a young woman in New York City in, in the late 1950s. And when she's walking around New York, you see all the different shops that are there. There's clothing stores and shoe stores and dress shops and all that kind of stuff. You don't see those kinds of shops as much anymore. And, and people are like, oh, that's because Amazon put them out of business. And it's, it's actually the opposite. 
instead of paying the rent and having the overhead of selling all that stuff from some store on 7th Avenue, there are now like almost 2 million U.S. small businesses that are doing the same from their apartments, from their homes, from their houses, and selling those same products all over the world. So just because you don't see those retailers on the street, it doesn't mean that there are a ton of money that are out there making money off of Amazon. There is this. It's actually 1.9 million U.S. small businesses and people creating content and developing applications. All of those people are, are making money off of Amazon.com. It's just changed. The, the small business landscape has changed. It's not the way it was in 1959. It's 2019. And, and just like you said about some of your friends that are that run small businesses and starting to sell on Amazon. I mean, they get it. They 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 are adapting to the change. And the business owners that the business owners that don't, they're they're going to have a, a hard time growing. Well, and Gene, if you like something from a small business, I got this hair wrap or whatever from Amazon, and I liked it, and it was sold by a seller. So then I went to that seller and I found their all of their products and their little small business that they had lit, listed on Amazon because I knew that it was good quality. So I just wanted to continue buying their type of hair wrap or whatever. And so, so a couple of find- comments I got. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a couple of comments on that. First of all, um, I've never bought a hair wrap in my life because if you look at a picture of me, you'll understand why. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two is, you're absolutely right, uh, the people that sell on Amazon, there are a lot of requirements to selling on Amazon and a lot of rules that you have to uh, high, you know, follow. And sometimes some business owners bristle at that. But make no mistake about it, like, you know, Amazon wants the same thing that you want. You know, they, they, they want you to sell so they can make money and you can make money. And the business owners that, that meet those quality standards and those customer service standards, um, they're the ones that, that, that succeed more on that platform. You know, the average small business that's selling in Amazon, Amazon stores made 90000 bucks last year. Um, oh. So th- there's a way to make money on Amazon. And think about the other, the other side of it, which is the overhead side. Imagine grossing $90,000 in your store, and then you've got to pay rent and overhead and utilities on top of that. Uh, these people don't have those kinds of expenses. Right. That, yeah, my son runs a – he's 13. He runs a shoe resale business, you know, from his room. And he's, you know, <laughs> uh, you know started off his own little business, and he resells shoes that either he's worn or he's maybe gotten at you know, the thrift store or whatever, and he makes a decent little side business out of it. So how does a small business you know, embrace and grow with Amazon? I, I like the rules personally because I want to know that there are certain standards for the people selling on their platform and that you're going to get a refund if you need it and things like that. So how do they go about doing it, embracing this growth with Amazon? So first of all, I, I think I should stop this conversation right now and get your son on the line because I think he probably knows a lot more about selling online than than I do, right? I mean, <laughs> thirteen years old and reselling um, used—that's amazing. Um, good for him. Good that's for him. Hilarious. Um, Mom, can you take me to UPS? Yes, I made another sale. I'm like, he can't even drive. <laughs> that is that is hilarious. Good for him. Uh, that is uh, that that shows a lot about his future. You know, um, you know, it's funny. You know, I, I'm just using him as an example and I can answer your question is that um, what 13 year old kid could do that say 20 years ago right. or 30 years ago I mean what what vehicle was in what were they going to do like set up something in, in front of their house and sell used shoes I mean I'm sure your son is selling his products to people all around the country let alone the world uh, that was you could do that uh, just you know you know, two decades ago um, which just is a perfect example of why these types of platforms are providing these kinds of opportunities for, for entrepreneurs that just you know have never existed before. Anyway, to answer your question, first of all, if you're looking to grow, 
and you want to look for other opportunities. Say you want to start up a business or you've got your own business. Well, the first thing you want to do is you want to go to Amazon's Build Your Business site. It's, uh, it's Amazon.com forward slash Build Your Business. Okay. And the reason why you want to go there is because they list out all these different ways for you to make money off of Amazon, right? You can, you can sell to consumers. You can sell to, if you have a B2B product, business to business, they've got a whole platform for that. You can create content for their Kindle or write your own books if you want to and sell publish. You can be a developer and write applications for Alexa or have something that's hosted on Amazon Web Services. You can go in the delivery. When your son is old enough to drive, one of the things he might want, because this is clearly an entrepreneurial kid, he can be an, an Amazon driver and have his own business and drive around and deliver stuff to people in the neighborhood and make a bunch of extra money doing that as well. So the first thing that I would recommend is, is going to build your business on Amazon's site, amazon.com forward slash build your business, figure out what you want to do. And then once I, what you want to do is you want to sign up and you want to abide by the rules. Um, you have to go with the best practice that Amazon is recommending for you. Some business owners, because they're independent, you know, Angie, they're, they're, they feel like it, you know, their way is always the best way. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to put that aside mm-hmm. and say, listen, these guys do it a lot better than me. Let me mm-hmm. listen to them and follow their rules. Yeah, just follow the rules because we, the customers expect a lot. So Amazon has right. to expect a lot from you as a business to make their customers happy. Uh, I would agree. Okay, give us the website again, Gene. Sure. It's it's uh, and, and make sure you write this down for your son. Okay. It's Amazon.com forward slash build your business. Got it. So you know he can go there and he can uh, you know let him continue to sell his his shoes and all that. But I don't know this kid, but I bet he's going to be like he's going to be doing a bunch of stuff off of that site. Oh. <laughs> he did a trade to get me um, a, a Louis Vuitton belt for Mother's Day, and so I like that better than the homemade cards uh, that he used to give me. I'm just being honest here. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, my kids spend all day watching uh, your old episodes of The Office. So right, you know, I mean, good for you. <laughs> all right, thank you so much, Dean. Have a great day. Angie, take care. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com.